When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is Gary Oldman, and we're recording at the Harmony Gold Theatre in Los Angeles. Oldman's 40-year career has seen him play an extraordinary range of characters, including Winston Churchill, Lee Harvey Oswald, Sid Vicious, Dracula, and Sirius Black in Harry Potter. Oldman wrote and directed the BAFTA-winning 1997 film Nil by Mouth, and in 2018, he won a Best Actor Oscar for playing Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour and was nominated for his role in Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy in 2012 and for Mank in 2021. Right now, he's starring in the Apple TV series Slow Horses, playing Jackson Lamb, a curmudgeonly but brilliant MI5 agent exiled to a remote corner of the service. Oldman is also set to play Harry Truman in Christopher Nolan's upcoming film, Oppenheimer. All right, Hello. welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you. Um, so I just rewatched both seasons of Slow Horses, which yeah. I loved. And I had forgotten that we meet Jackson Lamb when he wakes himself up farting. And it is <laughs> such an indicator of who he is that made me laugh out loud. He uses farting like a weapon throughout the show. <laughs> yeah, he... Uh, someone said to me that the entrance of Jackson Lamb farting and waking up w was up there with Gene Wilder uh, doing the, the forward role in... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He said it was the best entrance since since Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. An introduction of a character. Yeah, it's pretty. It really sets the tone, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. <laughs> um, I, do I mean, it's in the books. I mean, he. Yeah. It's it 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 all really comes from a great deal of it comes from the mind of of Mick Heron, you know, he created these people and we have a wonderful team of writers headed by Will Smith, so um, it's all it's all there on the page, yeah. I just started reading the third book so I can get ahead of you now, um, because <laughs> I'm waiting obviously with bated breath for season three. Are you in production on that yet? We finished. You finished it? I mean, we got post to okay. do in terms of you know, they're now editing and sound and all of that, but the actual season three is done, shot. We, I travel next Thursday to go to start season four. So 
So brilliant. And there's six books. So you've got all that material. So we've got, um, we, I th well, I think we shoot season four until September. And then there's a break and then we do season London Rules, season five, yeah. Wow, brilliant. Um, I know in season three, one of the slow horses gets kidnapped, so I'm really looking forward to that. It sounds really juicy. How did shooting go? Was it as fun as always? It was great. Um, we really do like one another, you know, we really get on. So I, I, I love, it's nice to have downtime and take a break from it, but I really look forward to going back and seeing everyone again. I mean, today we were doing, you know, Q&A and um, uh, there's a bunch of us here and it was nice to see my, my, my rejects. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I read some article that perfectly described Slough House and the Slow Horses as uh, an espionage oubliette, which I think is so That's so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ros, you know, today we, you know, I don't know, we, we came up with, you know, it's, it's, it's Tinker Taylor mm. meets The Office. You know. Oh, that's so perfect, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, you know, he's taken the world of espionage and you've got one end of the spectrum, which is James Bond, and I guess the other end would be Austin Powers sort of really sending up and having fun with that. Mm. And then you've got all of that landscape in between I mean, Mick Heron, the author, is a fan. I mean, he's he, you know he's a fan of, of John Le Carre, so he 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 doesn't um, he's not shy at, at admitting that. But it's interesting. You've got the world of you kind of have the world of Le Carre with a great sort of he's sort of turned it on its he's turned the sort of genre on its head and 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 peopled it with very flawed people I think that the audience can really relate to. I mean Bond is wonderful escapism and I'm a huge fan of Bond and sad to see Daniel Craig go because I just think he was absolutely sensational yeah. as Bond. Mm. Um, but you know money you don't see Money Penny sort of doing her laundry. Right you don't see like the, the grim reality of, of them walking into the office or what them getting off the bus looks like or yeah, anything. Yeah, or going to the loo, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> or eating Chinese takeaway. Or eating, yeah, yeah Chinese. So it, it's a, a different, it's mix, isn't it? It's mixed particular sort of prism that you, that you sort mm. of see it through, which is what appealed to me in the first place. You Had know. you read the books? Because I know Mick Jagger was a fan, that's why he sang the theme tune, right? Were you a fan or was you I mean, new to it? Didn't know. Didn't know the books, no. Um, yeah, Mick, I believe Mick was a huge fan of the, of the writing. And a lot of the places that we filmed in, we were very, very lucky in season one. We were in a very, very swanky house where Judd, Peter Judd, lives. And, you know, to get permission, just the opportunity to be able to work in a house like that 
we uh, we only we, we we were only there because the owners of the house love the books really that's so cool yeah yeah um i do wonder a bit you know when you're playing this man that's you know like we talked about he's this flatulent sort of um genius with dirty hair and you know his takeaway habit is there something really fun and liberating about just really leaning into being vulgar and gross yes it must be so fun yeah 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 when i've got an insult i can't wait to sort of come in and see the expression on river cartwright's face or you know jack how jack's going to react to it or um ross or chris who plays ho you know um the scenes with saskia reeves is like yeah. oh, just gold her face yeah. where you're just poking at her <laughs> yeah so we cute. have um terrific scene in um towards the end of uh, season three Got you and saskia yeah mm -hmm. real yeah a real sculpture of the scene um i wonder if she's going to find out what jackson oh, did well i need to read that book that really quick that is um i think that's book five. Oh, really okay right well i'm not it's not a spoiler really because you can always go to the you can always go to the books but i think it's london rules where um i won't tell you who tells her all right. <laughs> I, I won't tell you how she fights. I'm just going to power through those books really quickly. Um, and I, you're also in Oppenheimer. Mm. You're Harry Truman. But that was just a day shoot? Or I know you spoke to our columnist, Baz, Baz Bamming Boy, about yeah. it. How was that? That was great fun. Um, Chris called up and said, would you, you know, would you do this? It's one scene. It's a day's work, um, and it was nice to sort of get to the set and reconnect with him. Um, I, I, I'm a fan of Gillian Murphy, so basically I had a set, I had just a scene with, you know, Oppenheimer, you know. Um, it was actually very, it was nice to work with Gillian because we never met on the Batman. You never crossed paths, yeah. When he was, what was he, he was the... Scarecrow, I think. Yeah, the guy with the sack over his head and the yeah. Yeah, I think it's Scarecrow. Yeah. It's been a while. That's right. Um, so we never, we we never really, we we never crossed paths except except walking back and forth from the trailer, or you know, he had finished his day his day's work and was getting out of makeup, and I was arriving. Um, but he's a lovely actor, and I've loved him in. Um, Peaky Blinders, mm. um, and uh, I think he's going to be really, really good at Oppenheimer. Have you seen the trailer? I haven't yet. The teaser? No, it's um, meant to be at Cannes, and I'm going. I really hope it's going to be there. Yeah, they're the, talking about. I mean, it's not from what I can. Just, well, the trailers. I think the trailer really promises big things, and working with Killian on that one day. I could, you know, see what he was doing. So, I'm kind of, look at, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But it's nice to sort of, you know, my main focus is slow horses. Mm. Um, I don't know. I hope Apple keep us. They they treat us well. I hope they're going to keep us on the air. So far, it's confirmed to five, but 
Uh, yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. yeah. But I'm happy to play Jackson, you know, I'm 65 next week. Happy birthday next Thank week. Thank you. Is it next week, Doug? Yeah, the next, it's the week after. The week after next. I'm 65. I love it when you don't know your own birthday. Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm getting up there now. I feel very lucky and very fortunate to um, to be working and in the series and it, you know it's a good piece of writing it's a good show nice people great character i feel very lucky mm. you know um so i i'm hope to play jackson it's my pension <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great way of putting it um you know. so this is this podcast is also it's the it's all in the title twenty questions so it's yeah. also a bit of reminiscing if you don't mind um, yeah I can twenty hit questions you with twenty quick fire oh, all right I, 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 yeah I see how good my memory is well see yeah what you ask I mean you me. can kind of make it up as you go along oh, <laughs> do you I can't make it come on they want honesty don't they they want <laughs> go on then all right. Go um, on. What attracted to you initially to being an actor, writer, director, being in the industry? Well, um, I, like most kids, I like film. Watched a great, I watched a great deal of TV, although we only had three channels back then. I remember <laughs> those days. Do you? BBC You're not one, old BBC enough two, to remember. ITV. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we got Channel Four, and we were very excited. You know what? I was in a film that premiered on Channel 4 um, called Remembrance, the first thing I ever did on film. Wow. Um, it premiered on TV? It was, in ch it was for Channel 4. In now the, ver in the very opening month of Channel 4. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a big deal, wouldn't it, to yeah, get a fourth channel? huge. Yeah. Nobody um, had Sky or Dishes or any of that then? No. Um, mm. Before video came in and we had a VCR, do you remember those little tape recorders where you just put the cassette in and you press the two buttons, play and record? You mean like a, no like a, like a normal tape that you yeah. listen to music? Yeah, it was like yeah. a little box thing. Yeah. yeah. I used to totally. tape shows from the TV. Audio. Just the audio? Yeah. Cause, Why? Well, because we didn't have video. So you just listen to it like the radio? Yeah, they hadn't been invented. That's so tragic, <laughs> but also brilliant. Uh, I do remember that. I remember listening to the radio and waiting for your song to come on and then jumping up and pressing. Yeah, the and then of course the DJ would always over speak over the oh, last yeah. bit of the song. And you'd so go, annoying. Oh, fucker. You know what I mean? You're <laughs> trying to get it like clean without him coming in going, that was shawaddy waddy <laughs> on... Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I watched TV, went to the movies. Do you remember the first movie you ever saw? Hard Day's TV? Night. Really? Yeah, my That's sister took one. me. I was five. And she smuggled you in? No, Hard Day's Night. You it's could for kids as well. Yours, yeah. 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 Anyway, I, uh, I saw Malcolm McDowell in a film. Always like movies and um, I had the album. Actually, I had the soundtrack to Lenny with Dustin Hoffman, you know, before I'd even seen the movie. Mm. And I, I was 13 in my room, you know, learning the monologues from Lenny. 
just and I didn't out even of know, nowhere. Yeah, and I didn't even know Lenny Bruce was. I knew Dustin Hoffman was. Did you know what really you were doing? No, or did you just feel no the impulse to do it? I had no it? idea what I was doing. Because that's quite unusual for a 13 year old to just decide yeah. to do that. I wonder where that comes from. I only remembered that the other day. Mm. I had the album. I used to like soundtracks. I used to go, there was a wonderful place off of Tottenham Court Road, um, a cinema bookshop, and it sold albums and scripts and. There was foils. I remember there foils. When it too. was, when it was not. It was like, the biggest now it's, bookstore. Now it's half on the it block. It was that like massive Victorian behemoth. building with yeah. seven floors of yeah. Opposite to, Denmark Street. Opposite, which I, I worked on Denmark Street. I was recently watching. Um, um, is it Cameron Strike? CB Strike. CB um, Strike. Cormoran Strike. Cormoran. I'm obsessed with that show, and it's, it's all set on Denmark it? Street. It's brilliant. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Tom Burke's brilliant. Yeah, I know, I love him. Yeah. Really well written. Yeah. Um, which is all the little alley through to Greek Street and all around that neighbourhood, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and they're really there, aren't they? You know where shows cheap? Yeah, Where no, they say, really drop me at, you know, and you yeah. go, I know London, and you go, that's, that's not Soho. That's... Yeah. It's actually the locations where they say they're going. I find it quite, ex I find I, it quite extraordinary. I found that about slow horses, though, because yeah. I grew up at the Barbican. My grandma had a flat there. So they, all those scenes, like the little Italian restaurant on the corner opposite their office, the, yeah. the Empire Chinese takeaway, yeah. where Jackson and the laundrette sits there, yeah, around the corner. That's all my childhood, all those little corner yeah. places and the newsagent and all of it. Yeah, the, yeah, season three, we use the, the laundrette actually at the bar, which is around the corner oh from there. God, we, we use that laundrette. Really? We couldn't get permission or could, it wasn't available when we shot season one. I know that, but it used to be orange. It was orange uh, it, with cream tiles. I think that's it's it still, still there. That? Yeah, it's still it? there. Oh my God, I was like six. I remember that. Um, so that's, so yeah. I saw, you know, and I just auditioned for drama school and I went to foils and, you know, uh, got some plays and yeah, it's ancient history now, it's a long time ago. Was there someone in your life that inspired that, do you think, now that you look back? Was there like a teacher or a relative or something that put that in, in your head or made you think you could have that kind of life? Can't say, really, no. I just used to do impersonations and mm. as a kid, just sort of had an ear for, yeah. Mm. Interesting. I, yeah, I was, I'm very, um, I'm very industrious in that way. Like I play piano and, you know, decided I wanted to play the piano. So I saved up my pocket money. I bought 10, 10 pounds it cost, an upright piano. 10 pounds? Yeah, 10 quid in Peckham. Amazing. And, um, Did you buy it off a pub or something? Because that's how we. It was in a warehouse. Out. It was a big warehouse. Yeah. It was to sell second-hand furniture, and uh, and a tenner. <laughs> and um, I tell you what is funny, Lamb in London Rules actually mentions British home stores. Be anxious. Yeah. And I used to be a Saturday boy in British home stores. Really. Yeah, I used to work in the warehouse, in the stock room. 
Yeah. That's so funny. One of my questions is, what is the weirdest job you've ever had? Is that the weirdest job? Oh, no. <laughs> um, the weirdest job? I've had a few weird acting jobs, that's for sure. Mm. Um, what would be the weirdest job? I, I guess a job I really loved was um, when I was a student. In the summer, I would go and work in a, in a hospital as a porter in the operating theatre. Wow. And part of my job was sometimes cleaning the instruments, mopping up the blood, and, t and working with the, the, you know, patients. And I would take them from the um, pre-op to the, to the operating table and... Why that's do you that's like kind it? of weird. That's kind of, I don't know if that's weird, a, a weird job. But, but you said you liked it. So yeah, what, I loved what it. What did you love about it? I think it it specialised in. It had different days. That I don't know why Wednesdays was hysterectomies, Thursdays and Fridays was orthopedic, and its main thrust was plastic surgery from burns it was a burns mm. hospital like burns unit and i there was a little kid there that had been abandoned that the doctors had adopted and i think he had three inches of skin on the sole of his foot that was untouched and his entire body god was completely he fell from a railway bridge when he was a little kid and hit the rail and got oh. electrocuted and caught fire and crawled to like a, I mean took about and taking him up you know to get a new graft and then taking him back to the ward and then and I would sometimes be in the recovery area with the patients and I would like talk to them as they were coming out of anaesthetic um, there's something very touching about the patients and these people that could mend you, mm. that could fix you. I thought it was in a whole fa fascinating world. And um, I never met, it's the first time I ever really met like arrogant people, doctors who, oh my God, they were so full of themselves. You the know God complex. I mean? uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and there was a fella I was working with who was in the seminary training to be a priest. So he was going to go into the priesthood. I was at drama school going into acting. And when we would go in um, on the orthopedic days where people came in to have like hip replacements, they can't tourniquet. So there's a lot of blood. And then we would go in and mop up the operating room and we would sing hymns and because our voices would echo in the operating room. So we would go in there and do harmonies. You and the, the seminary me, me, student. Me and the priest, the would-be priest. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, when are you making the film about your life? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I loved the job. I really, really loved it. And um, it really is, also it's amazing how you can see the sort of, to some, the horrors of the body opened up and then go and have lunch. 
Yeah. And have a, you know, a blancmange. Or, I um, about in a while. or, um, <laughs> or, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, a summer pudding or whatever, oh you know what I mean? God. Yeah. And the way they talk about, the way they used to talk about the patients when they were under anaesthetic, the doctors, they're quite rude. I bet. To the, yeah. Obviously, that's all completely changed. I can't imagine them. Yeah. It's a whole different one. Yeah, I can't imagine them getting away with it. But anyway, that was, I did, I worked at British Home Stores. I worked uh, in the sports shop in Peckham and Catford. Um, I did all sorts of stuff. I loved working. Did I always loved getting up. And there's something, I've always thought from, a, you know, from an early age, doing paper rounds. And there's something very satisfying about earning your own money. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing this? I'd be in prison. No, <laughs> I was ready to take that dead seriously. I was like, right, he's going to tell me this thing now. Uh, I, uh, I, I've, I, you know, I've lots of other sort a of spy, uh, a surgeon. Uh, I have lots of other interests, and so maybe yeah, I would have pianist. Uh, I would have thought, no, I'm not good enough. But I would have fallen into something creative. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But it could have been photography. It could have been. Mm. I did graphic design for a bit, mm. you know, on Denmark Street. Oh yeah. For before I became an actor, that was the last thing I did. Mm. Yeah. So a bit left field this one, but who is your dream dinner companion, living or dead? My dream dinner, dinner companion, well, living or dead. I am. For the viewers at home. <laughs> who 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 are in black and white and not in colour? I um, well, I'm sitting next to um, one of the producers of Slow Horses, Douglas Sabatsky, who I have known for thirty years or more, and he is a good cook, a very good cook, and. We had a dinner at Douglas's house one night with Salman Rushdie. Wow. Christopher Hitchens. Legend. Martin Amos. Martin Amos. Oh my God. Ian McEwan. Ian McEwan. And I think just for kicks was Marilyn Manson. I don't and Marilyn Manson. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and um, this is a play that has to yeah. be written immediately. And then we, and then we sat around. A lot of cigarettes. Oh then yeah. Then we, yeah. Um, I was sober then, though, wasn't I? You were. I were, but 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 I know that Hitchens was knocking him back. We ended up Amazing. we ended up playing um, first titles. That was um, the first. Why, uh, if the writer had gone with the first title, the book wouldn't have been successful. Okay. So I, I'm very proud of. I came up with um, Much Ado About Nothing, which is fuck all to do with nothing in particular, <laughs> which I was very proud of. But the winner was Christopher Hitchens, War and Truth. Oh. <laughs> oh, excellent. That's Brilliant. That's a crack. That was, that's a that's great so, one, isn't it? That's so Hitchens. smart. Yeah, War and Truth. This doesn't have the ring, does it? Um, and um, 
So that was fun. So I've, I mean... You've pretty much covered it, haven't I've you? I've kind of, I feel <laughs> with that particular dinner... That you you kind of cracked it. That I, ...that I covered it. Um, but there are people that you look at and you think, you know, to have been around um, the Declaration of Independence, mm -hmm. I mean, to have been around at the very, of those, can you imagine a dinner with those guys and sitting around and, yeah. and throwing those sort of concepts yeah. and those How ideas? How do we create a country, it, a yeah. planet, a world? America. Yeah. It's like a, a whole brave new invention to them. It, uh, uh, yeah, you know, to, yeah, because most other places are kind of established, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're going, it's before, I guess, it was even called America. Do you know what I mean? Imagine them, yeah. Yeah. Um, How do we figure this out, chaps? Um, what about a time, I don't know if you ever have been, but a time you've been starstruck? John Hurt. Really? What was that like? Well, I got the opportunity to work with him. And I remember on my first day when we pulled in and he was standing outside the trailer. I was very, I was very happy to meet him and work with him. Um, I met Clint Eastwood and he's tall and mm. he's big. You know what I mean? He's mm -hmm. pretty... He it's was, quite imposing. Yeah, yeah, he was very sort of impressive to sort of meet. Um, but in terms of just being a fanboy, you know, like I was, yeah, I was really, I loved John, and mm. it was, and he, and he, of course, he didn't disappoint. He was a wonderful guy and a great raconteur, and um, he made you laugh. Had a lot of stories, a lot of great, great stories. Mm. Um, have you got one? In, have you got time for one in particular? Oh, I'd love one, please. It's whether you have time. No, we were sitting there, around on the set, around that table, doing Tinker Taylor. And he got into a story, and I said at one point because the director wanted Smiley, and then he wanted, of course, control. And he wanted me to be at the end of the table next to John. And I said, if you sit me next to John, I'm not, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to keep a straight face. You know, can't I sit, can't I sit one down? And he said, no, no, you've, you've got to be here. So he would always turn to me when we would break. And he would, and he tells these wonderful stories. But he, he told the story that I, made me laugh so much that I really had trouble getting it back, getting it to focusing again. Um, there was a little club that was off the King's Road that was a, a, a late night drinking place. And it was down these stairs in this cellar. It was a fire trap. There were no exits. There was no windows. And various people would go there after the theatre and whatever. But it was full of has-beens, drunks, has-been alcoholics. A bit like Jerry's in Soho, if you've ever I don't there. know Jerry's oh, in Soho. Oh, sounds just it, like it. Is it, is yeah. it like... It's one of those, like, speakeasy after-hours dungeons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But dungeons. It was, yeah, but it was like that, and there were all wannabes, has-beens, 
and drunks. Right. And he, John loved to drink, and a friend of his was in town with an American producer. And after the show, I think John was in the West End at the time in a play, and after the show, he said, oh, we, you know, they had dinner, and then he said, oh, I know this little place, and they go down to this place. And they're down there for a little bit, and it's dank, dark, sweat running off the bricks in the wall and dripping from the sea, you know. And after about 10 minutes, the producer turned to John and he said, he said, what? He said, what is that smell? And John looked at him and said, failure. <laughs> <laughs> I can just hear him saying that. That's so good. Failure. <laughs> um, and that classic yeah that got me that got me laughing yeah well i know you have to you have to get going but one last one just to wrap it up what advice would you give your younger self to <laughs> <Don't> get married <laughs> <laughs> okay that seems like a good enough bit of advice yeah. You don't have to marry them. You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to marry them. As an unmarried person, I'm on board. <laughs> are you gonna? Are you happy? Just yeah, I never wanted to get married. Oh. No. I just feel like a freak, but I didn't. So. No. Well. You're saying don't do it. No, maybe back then. Maybe a few years back. It, it would be. You know, certainly there's a generation where it would be where, where it'd be odd not to be, but now I don't think it doesn't different matter. age, different yeah. different world we live in. But that would be my advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I feel validated by that. All right. Good. <laughs> thank you so much. This was so lovely. You were always Thanks again for listening to Twenty Questions on Deadline. For more episodes, check us out on Deadline.com, Spotify and Apple Podcasts.